Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, excited today to be talking to someone I've spoken to before, and many of you may be familiar with. And I think uh, this is a great time to bring him back. It's Mr. Dave Kittle of the Dave Kittle Show, right? You can find him on YouTube. I highly recommend you go there if you're thinking about selling a practice, maybe even buying a practice, but definitely if you're thinking of selling your practice, your physical therapy practice, I would go find his YouTubes and or podcast all under the Dave Kittle Show. Um, so Dave, how you been? What's going on? I'm feeling great, Jerry. Thank you for having me back. Good, 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 good. So we talked a little bit before we came on and um, I really want you to share, because it's funny when I start to think about it and ask you questions, I don't think I have a lot of clarity around this. So I want everybody to understand, you know, you're buying clinics, you have a company that's buying clinics. And what I've learned in a very short amount of time, that is a broad, broad market of buyers out there looking at different things. So do me a favor and let's step it back and tell everybody what you're doing in the business and then what you're looking for in your business. For sure. So I'm a physical therapist and I'm a practice owner. I own concierge pain relief, home physical therapy in New York City. So we have physical therapists that travel to folks, travel to our clients, our busy professionals or our older adults that want to stay active and independent. And that's basically like our platform company. That's kind of where I cut my teeth. That's where I learned all this stuff and, and, and applied everything that I've learned from Jerry and, and a bunch of other folks over the years. And for a whole host of reasons, we see a lot of opportunity in regards to partnering with practice owners and or buying or acquiring their practice. We can define some of those terms. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, we we, we got to break those terms down for sure. Say those again. What do you do? You say those words again. So we're looking to partner with practice owners, meaning maybe, and, and there's defining those terms would be something like the USPHs of the world, the alliances. There's a lot of different big corporate buyers out there that use these uh, terms to partner with practice owners. What that kind of means is approximately, because every, every potential partner and buyer might be a little bit different, but there's buyers out there like us or, or much larger than us that are looking to acquire approximately 70 or 80% of the equity of your practice. It doesn't matter if you have one practice location or three or five or 10 or 20. Um, some of these buyers will look to partner with you where you can, as a practice owner, you can take some chips off the table. So they'll buy 70%. They'll, you and you, your side and the buyer side will do kind of like a business evaluation, a business valuation, and look at the numbers in regards to what's the value of this practice. And they might buy 70 or 80% or offer to buy 70 or 80% of your practice. The reason why they'll typically do that is because they want to keep you in the day-to-day -day at least for a year or two. And if you want to treat patients for another three to five years, you can do that. If you want to remain in control and, and manage all the day-to-day -day decisions. 
Some of the buyers will allow you to do that. And so that's kind of like a partnership model. It de-risks the situation for the buyers because they don't need to go hire another physical therapist or a office manager individual and install them into that practice that your practice that they just acquired or bought. So it's kind of a, a common partnership model. We're open to that. And then we're also open right now because we have a practice that I, I look forward to uh, to discussing on all the, the shows and online that we have a practice now under contract. And that individual is going to be the practice owner that's a physical therapist. The practice has been around for 20 years, but that individual has agreed to stay on and work about one or two days per week uh, for the next year. But he, we've agreed in price and terms in regards to him uh, basically getting 100% of the cash at the closing date, but then he'll still stay for a year. So that whole year, that helps us de-risk the situation in terms of culture, morale, the the staff members don't get spooked or surprised or upset or frustrated that there's like big major changes. That helps de-risk the situation for us because then we can hypothesize or or project that the staff physical therapists are not going to try to go get a job somewhere else. So then that helps us maintain the current function of that practice. So you can buy 100% of a practice. I think some buyers still kind of call that a partnership, especially now like that owner is staying all along for a year. But at the end of the day, we're we're acquiring, we're, we're buying that practice. And he happened to agree to stay on for one year. So does that make sense, Jerry? Or maybe we can fill in some yeah, gaps. No, I, I think it, it makes sense to me. I'm just trying to think of some of the things you said. So, I mean, here, let me tell you my takeaway and then you can bring, if needed, some clarity. So partner partnership at, at basically the minimal level means someone, uh, well, the owner is going to stay on. 100%, right? Is that correct? A partnership, the owner will stay on. Correct. And and most of the time, owners will stay on and very, it's, it's getting more and more rare where the owner is going to exit completely the day to day and any type of physical, like in person work or interfacing. Uh, it's very rare now where they're going to leave in like one month or three months after the close. And it's rare in that the buyers will allow that, or it's rare that in the owners are asking for that. Which one, my friend? The buyers definitely want it. The, the buyers yeah. want the practice owner to stay along for as long as possible. Uh, Mike Studer yeah. was interviewed on my podcast recently, and he sold to Golden Bear, which is now Therapy Partners Group, I believe it is. And that deal, because he said it on the podcast, so it's public, that deal, they wanted him to stay along for two years. So he did that. And that's fairly common. Now, if a practice owner wants to get out sooner, then I asked Mike, I said, so then what does that do to your valuation? Right. And and, it, and they you can get a haircut of maybe 15 or 20%, or sometimes maybe even more, meaning they'll they'll give you a lower offer if you need to get out in one month, like maybe you're moving or yeah. a medical issue or yeah. whatever. Uh, this is good. Yeah, that's good clarity around that. So, so you guys, you're, what's the company's name? So we are the Fieldmaker Group. Thank you. In the Fieldmakers Group, you guys are looking for the partnerships. You're going to come in, you're going to, that's going to be part of the agreement. So, so people that may contact you, right, through this, people who may say, hey, I want to talk, Dave, they need to understand that they're not going to um, 
sign and go on vacation for a year once they sign the official deal. Right. Now, the, the only caveat there cool. is that if they, because we're speaking with one, obviously, too early where we can't mention any names and keep everything private and confidential. Good, but yeah. if the caveat is if the owner is already an absentee owner. Well, here, if the, the, this is where I was going to go next. So this is where I was going to go. Sure. So if the practice owner has not treated patients for several years, if they have a right-hand person, like a an individual who is the second in command or a, whatever you want to call it, a vice president or a president or basically a, a COO, so a chief operating officer, and it, it could just be one location or multiple locations. But if there's someone that's managing the day-to-day, -day, meaning not just managing like the front desk folks, like are they arriving, like is your front desk team doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are they professional they're arriving on time whatever and then you have the therapy side like the actual care side and then maybe you have like a like a, a physical therapist that's like the clinic director but do you have an individual like overseeing both sides of that that's second in command type person so if a practice owner is an absentee owner maybe they're you know splitting their time they're going out to the hamptons half the year they're going to florida half the year whatever um if there's already someone that's doing 30 or 40 hours per week physically in person in that office that's second in command that's kind of managing the front desk side the billing the scheduling or overseeing and then overseeing the physical therapy like the care side then the that practice owner probably could get out sooner and i think with us because we're going to be adding a lot of time effort uh and and all that into any of these own any of these practices that we partner with or acquire, but an absentee owner has more leverage that they could say to a buyer like us or uh, even a corporate buyer, they could say, hey, well, like I, I'm basically out of the day to day. Here's the standard operating procedures. Here's everything documented. You know, it's digitally in a Google Drive. It's also, you know, physically in binders. And there's like everything written out for every type of scenario. Everything's documented. Everyone, uh, everything is delegated. And everyone understands their roles and responsibilities. And you certainly could eventually speak to the team uh, once you do the deal or, or, or later into that conversation when things get way more serious to make sure that that's actually true. But an absentee owner has more leverage to do this, as opposed to if they're treating 30 or 40 hours a week and there's a lot of the roles and responsibilities of the clinic going uh, through them or, or in and around them is uh let me ask you this so let's go back to the i appreciate that breakdown that was um that was excellent thank you uh, now let's let's go back to the partnership thing because I'm, I'm now i'm thinking of other questions that i think would be good to throw out there so if we because i'm not exactly sure the financials of these deals and i don't mean right in the weeds i mean some of the agreements so if i am uh, let's go back to your first example I'm going to stay in the business for one year and we sit down and we come to an agreement, the field maker group and ABC physiotherapy. And I agree to stay in it. There's going to be money paid out today. Is there something in the agreement that gives me some incentive as the owner to continue to grow this thing, continue to make this thing thrive and strive and maybe even be bigger at my exit? Am I going to be paid a bonus? Am I going to be paid a commission? Is that typically in the agreement or not? So just something I'm thinking about, because yeah, I mean, I'm not getting greedy, but hey, I'm happy to take a check 
And then I'm happy to get this thing just reared up and going. And yeah, I would like a bonus or maybe at the end of it or something. There's no cut and dry one way or the other. So it, yes, it could be, and but no, it doesn't have to be in the agreement. So all these price and terms, like everything is kind of like, it depends on what the owner really wants and needs, right? So if there's so many different scenarios, let's go with the current practice we have under practice under contract right now. Can't mention any names, but this individual is looking to get out, okay? And this practice owner last year, when we were speaking with this individual, they said that they wanted all the cash at close. We had originally we had originally done a third of the purchase price. We verbally agreed, that they verbally agreed, of one third of the purchase price paid at close and two thirds of the purchase price be deferred, meaning a seller's note or seller's finance. So the reason why we came across that deal, and all of this is like, you can be so creative, like there's so many different scenarios. And we're going to get into like creative financing and, and price and terms. So that practice owner agreed to one third cash at close. And now most of the practice owners listening to this, they want 100% cash at close. So why would you ever verbally agree to that? So we'll, let's get into it. One third cash at close, two thirds deferred payments that are collateralized by the business, by the stability of this practice that they built. So they know how stable it is. Usually the seller's finance or the seller's note is not personally guaranteed, but sometimes it could be personally guaranteed on me, meaning that those payments monthly are guaranteed by me to that practice owner. That individual wanted a large number purchase price for the practice. And we said, well, it's only worth this smaller number based on the adjusted EBITDA calculations. But this individual was like, well, I want this number. And I said, sure, we can get you that number. We can absolutely get you that number. But it's going to be one third down and then two thirds deferred. And we did that for a bit. And then the practice owner changed their mind, which is okay. This, these things happen. We, things get emotional. The practice owner said, you know what? I don't want any deferred payments their lawyer said, these deals are never done this way, which is a lie because they can be, they might not be all the time, but they can be legally and compliantly. So then the practice owner came back to us and said, I'm going to take the business off the market. And if I sell it again, or if, and when I sell it again, I want hundred percent cash at close and I want to get out in three months. And we said, Okay, we can do that because now the 100% cash at close, that dollar amount was now smaller than that than the two thirds that was deferred, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, so hold on, so slow down there. Just one second, because yeah. So by deferring two thirds of it, they were getting some interest, some other kind of built-in financing. So it would have been a bigger number, right? Correct? At the end of that so one year, the, 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 the purchase price was nearly two thirds larger and there would have been interest. Yeah. You know, so. and then, then, you, then you, then you can, and that interest rate is subjective. So it could be, yeah, you know, yeah, it could yeah, be 2%, yeah, yeah. 4%, mm -hmm. 6%, 8%. It could be whatever we agree on. So then let's flip, let's flip back. He says, I want a hundred percent. You're like, cool. That's the smaller number that would have been right. So yeah, if you need to roll that back, and listen to that with that context. That's where I kind of thought it was going. So it's good you um, mentioned that and stopped that. So he said no. 
Did he come back to you? Or, or when he I, said that deal, you said we can actually do that now. You don't have to take it off the market. Exactly. And and he replied to a te- to my text message uh, within minutes. I said, I offered a number, which maybe, I think maybe I got to check with our lawyers and my team. Like, I think I might deconstruct the whole deal with numbers. I mean, that, that might get more views and clicks on my podcast. We'll see. But um, it was a wild negotiation. So He's this practice and this practice owner said, I'm going to take the practice off the market. If, and when I sell it again, I want to sell, I want to get hundred percent cash to close. And I want to get out of the practice in three months. Now, if you say that to USPH or Alliance or some of these others, they're not going to do that deal because they want the practice owner there for a year or two and they'll pay you handsomely at the close, but they need you there for a long time, a year or two. The reason why we had said yes to that, so we said, okay, we can do 100% cash at close and we can agree for you to get out in 90 days, in three months, which is what you want because this individual wants to travel more, see his children more, whatever. So I was like, we can do that. The reason why we agreed to it is because it's it's local to me, so it's not too far away. I know the market very well. So if it was in another state or two away, like we probably wouldn't do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. No, it's all good. You know, this is let me stop you there because back to the listeners here, someone thinking of buying. These are the questions you really got to put down and think about hard and take potential buyers through. Are you willing to do scenario A, yes or no? Right? Because I mean, you're going to get a hard no from some for some of this stuff. So you just check that box and move on. So, you know, you as the seller, I'm just thinking out loud, right? You have like your top three priorities and just see who's willing to deliver on any of those three and who you are going to like more and who you're going to want to deal with more and what structure you like more. Yeah. The more I listen to this, the more, you know, and that's what I thought terms and right terms and price are, I guess terms probably own more of it, right? The terms come around to, okay, you want that money when and how again, right? Because that's what that came down to. The terms dictated, yeah, you can have a lot more money on this date. Right. You can have less money on this date. What do you want? So so since we're going down this route, I'll, I'll continue to give a little bit more color to this, uh, cool. this, this yeah, negotiation. I think, which, I, I think it's good to hear this case study. So, uh, and also I'm going to get his, uh, this practice owner's permission and I want to get him on my show and we'll do a bunch of interviews and stuff and We'll see if he's got sellers remorse or, you know, how, how he thought the process went. And we can listen to that individual. So that'll be, you know, interesting on my show. Um, that'll on the be good old show. Yeah, that'll be good. So, okay. So another, another thing. So the practice owner, as a recap, they wanted 10%, they wanted hundred percent cash at close, get out in three months. Then we said, you know, just so you know, there's a common 10% holdback. So basically 10% of the purchase price goes into escrow for 12 months. Very common. Of course, they negotiated on that. They wanted that dollar amount a little bit lower. They wanted that dollar amount to be paid out at six months instead of 12 months. Again, folks, listen, all of this is negotiable. And one of the new episodes coming out on my show is uh, 10 tips on successful negotiation. So I'm going to teach you how to negotiate against us. Dave Kittle show, YouTube right. podcast. Right, right. So back to this, uh, this case study. Practice owner uh, also verbally agreed for us once once they signed the purchase agreement. There's another window of time 
they signed a purchase agreement where we lock them in, binding them in, but then we're going to get another period of time for like the final due diligence and make sure like all the financials are there and the recent financials and making sure like it, we have an out if we need to get out. So the practice owner had agreed. I, we said, we have to meet your team when we sign the purchase agreement. And then that period of time, we still could walk, but we want to meet the team. I got this, <clears throat> I got this tip from Todd Russell, a dentist who's bought nine locations, nine dentists office in the Ohio area. And of the nine, he said there was two that were very rocky and did poorly in the transition and, and the integration. The, the two of the nine that went really bad for Dr. Todd Russell was because the, all the team and the staff, everyone found out about the new ownership at the date of close. So he said to me on my show, and he suggested many times behind the scenes, he said, you have to, if, if the owner is getting out soon, if the owner is leaving right away, so whether they're the absentee owner or in this case, this case study with this owner, if the owner is leaving soon, you have to meet the team before you have the closing date. The team, you take them out for lunch, dinner, doesn't even matter how much money you spend because it's basically like insurance of like making sure that they like you, you like them. Like there's, they, you can have them ask as many questions as you want and be very open, right? Maybe take them out several times. This practice owner of the of the practice we have under contract had verbally agreed to that because they wanted to leave in three months. They signed the purchase agreement recently. And he said, well, right before the purchase agreement, we had a Zoom call, our lawyers, their lawyers. And the practice owner said, you know, it was basically an ego thing. He didn't want to look like it, like, like an idiot here. He didn't want to look like he was vulnerable by us having met his team, interacted with the team. And then we have that out where we're able to get out of the deal for whatever reason. He was afraid of that. He said, you know, I don't want, I don't, it's, it's not a good look. And, you know, you guys are able to get out, but I'm legally binded. I can't get out. And, you know, I, that, that really leaves me uneasy. And, you know, it basically, he was basically describing like, he's going to look like an idiot, or maybe it was an ego thing or whatever. So then on that zoom call, I said, that's fine. If you want to sign the purchase agreement and you're saying you don't want us to meet your team until the actual closing date, the only way that we can meet your team on the closing date is that you stay for one year, not three months. And the practice owner said, okay, I'll stay for a year. And now that just drastically de-risked the situation, de-risked the transaction for us. Now he, who has been there for 20 years, is going to stay as a consulting agreement, which is another, the next thing we can talk about if you want. Now that practice owner will stay for one year instead of three months. Now that helps with maintaining culture, morale. The team's going to know that he's coming in once or twice a week. He'll be, you know, doing the, the things that he does remotely from home through his EMR or whatever. And so now we have a signed purchase agreement. We have a closing date that I have to refresh my email, but it's, it's very soon in regards to um, the end of the month. And then we will have 100% ownership of the practice. He'll get the 90% of the cash at close, then the holdback, which we could talk about. So he'll get the holdback uh, in 12 months. We, we, we stayed firm on 12 months and a little, we, we negotiated down a little bit of the dollar amount. So it's, it's probably 8% of the, the total purchase price, but whatever. And so 
that's how these can go. They're very fluid, these dynamics, but a, an absentee owner has more leverage and a practice owner that is treating 40 hours a week has a lot less leverage. Yeah. And if you're somewhere in between, then you're somewhere in between. That, I don't want to go into the consulting agreement. Is the consulting agreement, just give me a yes or no. Is it basically like an employment agreement, the responsibilities and what he'll get paid to do that work? Correct. Okay. On that on that Zoom call, once he agreed to staying for a year, and then then he said, "Well, yeah, but we had a previously agreed to. He had agreed to an hourly rate very low because it was yeah, right. going to be three months. Right. The, the original the original three months. So he said, "Well, we you know that hourly rate for that three months was fine, but if I'm staying for a year, I need a little bit more." And then we said, "Okay, well, what's your what's your highest physical therapist paid per hour?" So he said that number. My, uh, my forensic accountant, Marshall Sturman, that's on our team. He was on the call and he said, you think we can do that number? I said, yeah, let's do it. So then now he just got a higher dollar amount, higher hourly rate for that whole year to match his, his other, you know, his top physical therapist at that hourly rate. Great case study. Now I want to go back a little bit to what you said right before or right after consulting agreement. What, what I want everybody to take away on this show, dude, and uh, does great case example and right of that, the, how the terms and the negotiation, right? Nothing, let's just say it, nothing is set in stone until you right. say yes and the signatures go on the line. So I think that's a great example. And I think the takeaway for everybody is this isn't, this isn't a black and white process. Now, mind you, there is a checklist, which I'm sure Dave has somewhere on his show, of things you need to be prepared with to move into these negotiations. But after you check those 10 to 12 boxes, man, it is wide open as far as negotiation, which Dave just shared. Would you agree, Dave? I 100% agree. And, and you certainly need either the broker, the advisor, or your attorney or accountant or someone in your corner. Even myself, I have a few team... Uh, few team members that are on my board that are on my team and an external law firm. Yeah. So otherwise, like this is all a give and take, but if you right, it's got to have... be based in numbers and legal things. Right. And again, contracts are legal agreements are legals, right. Legalese. So that part, but, of but if you, if you, if you don't have wise counsel in your corner, you certainly could be taken advantage of. Okay. There you go. As a, as a, as a practice owner. Yeah. Which as, as the seller. Yes. We're just going to let that one hang. Um, so I want to come back to, for this show, you saying, and you said it, and I'm going to make you acknowledge it again and maybe go deeper. Let's face it. The better business you have built. And that doesn't mean just finances and bottom line, the better business you have built systems, processes, documented, reproducible, readable, can tie it back to the metrics, the better hand or the upper hand you will have in the negotiations, would you say, David? Would that be an okay statement? Can you just clarify that again? So the better business I have created, so it well, can- that, that's, always, that's, always, that's always first, yeah. Okay, good. So from the EMIT definition, which I love because I believe it plays right into this, the myth definition of a business that I learned 25 years ago that took me forever to create. And I didn't 
own that definition is you can leave it for two weeks and it strives and thrives without you. That means systems and processes that are reproducible, delivering the metrics and numbers that I showed you. So if I've created that, then I am going to have more leverage, not all, just more leverage in the conversation when we are negotiating, correct? That is correct, 100%. Yeah, and you know, we, well, I've been in this way longer than you. I had more hair than you when I fucking got into this. So, um, which just tell you how long I've been in this. You know, it's so, it's so interesting because now, now I want to, now I want to speak to the people thinking about buying. So please do not show up at a buyer and tell them how hard you've worked on this. You have to prove it. Do not tell them, right, the great relationships you have in town. Nope. You cannot tell them that you're there. By the way, bragging about how much work you still do is, I guarantee you, going to go into their, the ball's going into their court for their leverage to keep you on. You must, I love this term. I use it all the time. You must be able to, a true business can show their work. Hey, look at my bottom line. Look at my finances. Look at all these referrals. Look at all these numbers. Cool. Or show me also, how you get and, there. Go for it. And Go. also, and also, and also the future pacing. So the yeah. practice owners or the broker advisor who says, oh, with the right team, the right buyer, with the right marketing, this place could double or triple. We don't even... We're, we're earmuffs on that. We, yeah, we don't dude. even like, yeah, cause that's our yeah. time, effort and money. Yeah. To do that. I, I love, yeah. Isn't that, oh, the future here is great. Well, then why would you sell it? Would be my first response. So I just want to double back to showing your work. I love this. Can you show me, and, and I'll go into my world a little bit. Can you show me how you move a new patient who's on the schedule to arrive and pay and then get paid? Can you show me the systems for how you keep those people on a plan of care, right? Can you show me the systems for getting paid? Can you show me the marketing on how you feedback happy paying customers back into your marketing to drive better leads, right? This is all, and by the way, and then there's a million more, not a million more, there's really not, but there's more, right? Can, can you show that to a potential buyer to prove your statement I've worked really hard in this. This is worth a lot, right? Hey, we make a lot of money. Cool. How? Right. Well, right. We make a lot of money. Oh, I don't take a salary, <laughs> right? <laughs> Shit like that. Go for it, Dave. So, and, and just by saying make a lot of money is not the full picture. You could have, you know, 2 million in revenue, but if your margins are 9%, you're not making a lot of money. So what buyers like us and other buyers out there like we need to see the free cash flow which is what's the what's the dollar what's the profit margin and what's the cash flow after you're paying everything else your rent your utilities your labor all of your investments all of your expenses all of that what is the free cash flow after all those things and that is and now I know as many owners listening <clears throat> we should clarify that there's owners perks. We know many owners will, you know, legally have certain things deducted where, you know, maybe there's a vehicle on the books, but it's really like, listen, like you don't, we don't need a vehicle for outpatient physical therapy, unless you're using that vehicle to go 
pick up patients, which usually most places don't, or some places now creatively are using, you know, Uber or Lyft or whatever. So that would be an expense. But if you have your personal vehicle on the books or your personal gym memberships or cell phone plans or whatever, we know that if we buy the practice or, or buy 70 or 80% of it, and it, those items will not be on the books of the business, as long as those items are not titled or, or in the name of the practice, like the PC or the PLLC or whatever, if those are off the business books, then we know that will count towards cash flow. That'll count towards the cash flow of the practice. So that segment, the cash flow, the owner's perks, and also like if you're if the owner is paying themselves, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars as a salary, we know like if you're going to be exiting the practice or if you're going to be doing some modified roles, like we're going to pay you market rate. So we know the rest of that dollar amount that you're paying yourself will be counted in that segment of free cash flow. So that's where the practices are valued at, which is the free cash flow of the practice. And there's some formulas and other episodes we've done in regards to EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA and, and some of those owner addbacks and some of those owner perks. But that's where these practices are valued at. Not the, we make a lot of money and we make, you know, two, three, five million dollars in revenue because it's about the, the EBITDA margins, the profit margins, and the free cash flow. Perfect. So you're looking for sellers where? Right now in the New York and New Jersey area, we're speaking to some practice owners outside of that in the Philly area. Um, Philly? Holy crime. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm from South Jersey and right over the bridge from Philly, yeah. went to physical therapy school in Philly. I lived in Philly for six years. You went to where? Where'd you go? The University of the Sciences. It oh. now was it speaking about acquisitions, it was acquired by St. Joe's, where oh, you know, St. Joe's, St. Joe's Joseph's, uh, St. Joe's Hawks. Where yeah, yeah that, that's Alonso exactly what I think of when you, dude. I even coming from the West Coast, I think of that. What was that? They called it like the Power Eight or something. It was, it was Temple, uh, the, the Atlantic right? 10, A10. Yeah, 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 it was all the schools right here, dude. It was all they're like all within walking distance. I swear yep. to God, right. Yeah. So, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So now Philly, cool. Um, and then you guys are looking, I mean, again, we stated the look, you, you can create as a seller, you can create the exit you want. It's up to you. Now that we've said that though, Dave, you guys are really looking for partnerships, people that want to stay in at least some amount of time to facilitate, I'm going to say this, a healthy transition. Correct. Would you say? Cool. Correct. Yeah. We're, we're, but we're also flexible. So a lot of the corporates, they'll have like a cookie cutter offer or a cookie cutter approach. And you kind of have to, do, you know, fit that mold or not. So we're a little bit flexible, but at the same time, like we've had a bunch of practice owners, like solo practice owners online, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, reach out to us. And they're, we're just not, they're, it's just too much effort. Uh, we're not, we're just not interested in solo practices where literally the owner is the only physical therapist. So really, if there's, you know, three physical therapists or more, typically, that's going to be three, four or more physical therapists, that's typically going to have you in the range of like a million in revenue, or more. And if it's smaller than that, um, it's probably best for like a like an individual physical therapist to be the buyer where they kind of like, they buy that job, they kind of buy that role and situation. Um, so we're looking to partner with or or acquire practices that are a million in revenue or more 200 250 grand in in adjusted EBITDA and that's kind of like the range that we're looking at and then obviously goes up from there 
Cool. 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 So where can people find you yet again, Dave, just make sure they know all the places. Sure. I have a website coming out soon for our team, fieldmakergroup.com. Hopefully we'll be published and ready by the time this, this episode is published. If not, uh, you'll see it soon, fieldmakergroup.com. Otherwise you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram at Dave Kittle, LinkedIn, just type in Dave Kittle, K-I-T-T-L-E, and we can connect and have a, an open conversation, or if you want a private conversation, confidential, we can sign a mutual non-disclosure agreement if you want to talk about your situation, your finances, the your situation with potentially partnering or exiting your practice. Uh, but any, you know, any conversation, any correspondence with us remains private and confidential because it wouldn't make any sense for us to, you know, disclose that or, or talk about it anywhere else and get owners upset at us and, and have that as like our reputation. So it would not make any sense to do so. So we want to keep everything obviously private and confidential. And then um, I'm going to recommend everybody go to YouTube and look up the Dave Kittle show. Um, he's had some great guests, some great conversations. And I'm going to guarantee you, no matter where you are in the stage of this, thinking about selling, ready to sell, moving through a sell, I think you're going to see some huge value in there. So scan through there. So Dave, thank you for uh, sharing what you're doing, what you're looking for. I appreciate that. And I think there's a lot of good info in there yet again, just with you sharing what your company is looking for, some of the ins and outs that can help people that are getting ready to sell. So thank you very much for coming on, my friend. Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's Best for the Patient is Best for Business with Jerry Durham. This episode is brought to you by Strata PT. Strata PT is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata PT and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo.